to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Pardon me, I just, I just want to get through there to this door over here, if you don't mind. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Speaking me, that's my friend Mitch. He owns the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, yo, man, come hit this right here. You need to hit this. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate it, but I told my wife I wouldn't drink tonight. Besides, I got a big day tomorrow. But you guys have a great time. A big day? Doing what? Well, um, actually, pretty nice little Saturday. We're, uh, we're going to go to Home Depot. Yeah, buy some wallpaper, maybe get some flooring. Stuff like that. Maybe Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. <laughs> don't know if we'll have enough time. So what did you guys do last weekend? Labor Day, longer weekend. What do you normally do on a weekend? How have your weekends been characterized thus far at your time here in college in Columbia, whether that's Mizzou, Stevens, Moberly, Columbia College? What are those patterns and activities and routines that you find yourself doing, what do, you, what do you wish that you were doing? Unfortunately, my weekends are starting to look a little more uh, like Will Ferrell, a.k.a. Frank the Tank, uh, in that video. Not sure if there's enough time. Uh, what's even more lame is I actually kind of like the fact that that's the case. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Probably lost some street cred. I know that's a good thing. Anyway, uh, my, my uh, weekends in my life was not always characterized as a boring, stuffy, responsible adult, though. I'll, I'll never forget the first off-campus party I went to as a freshman. Caught a ride with some people in my dorm. Went to, back then it was Jefferson Commons. Now it's called The Reserve, right across the street from Pickleman's on Old 63. Maybe some of you live there. It was a third-floor party, and you go... You get out, and you can hear it, and you can see it, and it's kind of got the feel of the party there from old school. I got a beer in my hand. I'm looking around. This is awesome. It can't get any better. And then I see a pizza guy pull up, delivers the pizza, has a conversation, and points, and he points to the three-story beer bong that has a garden hose as the, the, the beer bong. And the guy kind of talks, he just says, sure. So the pizza guy walks up, takes a three-story beer bong, gets in the car, drives away. And I thought, this is it. This is awesome. I mean, I have arrived. This is the good life. What more could I want? My guess is in a room this size, some of you uh, maybe can relate with that sentiment. Maybe you've already had an experience like that thus far this semester. Maybe you spend your weekends partying like the people in the video. You know, you, you, you do the work Monday through Friday, maybe Monday through Thursday. You're responsible, but then the weekend comes and you want to blow off some steam because you've earned it. Maybe that's not you, though. Maybe, maybe some of you here are really spending most of your weekend studying or working because you have to. That's the way, you know, you're an upperclassman, uh, your time at Mizzou or wherever is about to be done, and so you've got to spend your time in the library or at work to keep your scholarship, right, to pay the bills, to get ahead, 
Maybe some of you don't do anything on the weekends, and that's not an exaggeration to say. You, you sleep in until 11, 12, maybe 1, maybe 2, right? You watch a couple not episodes, but seasons of a certain show. You play some, maybe lots of video games, Halo, FIFA, whatever that is. But, but then, you know, of course, there's also the adult things that you have to do on the weekend, right? You got to go grocery shopping. You have to clean your apartment or your dorm. You got to catch up with your parents. Keep them informed because they want to know and they're going to bug you. Uh, go to Bed Bath & Beyond if there's time. Don't know if there's enough time. Maybe for, for some of you, maybe most of us, there's a little bit of each in there, right? Maybe you study a little bit. Maybe you have to work. You have to babysit. You, you, you want to do something social with friends. Maybe it's go out to the a bars or a party, but maybe it's just low-key. Maybe it's just hanging out. That's fine. What is it for you? How, what defines your weekends? What are those normal patterns and routines and activities? What do you wish that they were? I, I've heard it said, maybe you have too, and I think it's true that if you want to really know what somebody believes is the good life, if you really want to know what they value most, what they believe is more, then you should look at their credit card statement. Or they should, you should look at their tax credit return, or you should look at their Amazon purchases. Why? Well, well, because most, not all times, but most times, what we spend our money on shows what we really value in life. I think that's true for the most part, but you know what else? I think the same thing can be said for our weekends. I think the same thing can be said for our weekends. Those patterns, those activities, those routines, they reveal what we want most. They reveal what we think the good life is, what we believe to be more. But, but here's the deal, and this is really important. Those things don't just stay on the weekends, do they? It's not just our Friday to Sunday, Sunday that shows what we want most, what we believe the good life to be, what we think is more. No, our entire week reveals those things. You see, my guess is that if an outsider, if an independent observer came and took stock, took a look at our Sunday to Sunday, those patterns and routines and activities, just like those credit card reports and tax returns and Amazon purchases, they'd be able to see it. They'd be able to see what we think the good life is, what we think is more. Now, if you're like me, and I think it's fair, most of us in this room, our weekdays look a little bit different than our weekends, and that's fair, understandably so. But what we want on a heart level, the things that occupy our minds, our daydreams, those are consistent throughout the week. Those are matched, the weekend and the week. Those things are the same, the things that we want most, that good life, what we think is more. They don't just stay put on the weekends, do they? Those things don't just stay in their lane like we wish they would sometimes. It won't keep to the confines of Sunday to Friday or to our weekends. It's going to spill over to the rest of our week. Why? Why is that? Well, it's because that's how we're wired as, as people, as human beings. We can't not pursue the things that we want most. We can't not seek after the good life. We can't not build our lives on what we believe is more. So, so what is your week? What is your Sunday to Sunday? Not just Friday to Sunday, but what does your Sunday to Sunday say about you? What are those normal patterns and activities and routines that have become the norm or that you want to become the norm? What conclusions would that independent observer make about your own life? What is it that you want most? Is it, is it success? Is it personal recognition? Is it alcohol? Is it beauty? Is it a relationship? What is it? 
I'm belaboring the point, and I know I'm belaboring the point, and here's, here's why. Jesus tells us that it is possible to build our lives on something that will not last. He tells us that we might build our lives on something that won't last. It's possible to start and continue patterns and routine and activities throughout the week and on the weekend that in the end are going to come crashing down. They're not going to satisfy like we want them to. They're not going to be the good left that we thought we pursuing. They're not going to be more. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. And I don't want that for you. I don't want us to build our lives on something pointless, on something that doesn't really mean anything. Maybe we think in the moment it does, but upon a further reflection, a week later, a month later, a year later, turns out it didn't really mean anything. Turns out it wasn't really satisfying. Turns out it didn't really last. It turns out that it's possible one day those things, they might come crashing down. Tonight we're back in the gospel of Matthew chapter 7. And in this part that we're going to read, Jesus tells a story. He tells a story, and this story is going to give each of us wisdom and insight into where we're building our lives. You see, maybe you've heard it said, the Bible, this particular passage, it wasn't written to us. It was written to a group of people almost 2,000 years ago, but it's written for us. Not written to us, but written for us. And we need to hear this. I need to hear this. We need to hear this because so often those patterns and those routines and those activities, they can blind us. They can confuse us spiritually. We need to hear from Jesus to blow away that spiritual fog so that we can see, so we can see the way that things really are. So Matthew 7, verse 24, here's the story. Everyone who hears, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I say house, I'm going to say weak throughout the rest of this passage. You get it. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that weak. Yet it did not fall because the weak had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his weak on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that weak, and the weak fell with a great crash. So lots of lessons that we could glean from this story, but I just want to keep it simple, and I want to focus on what I think the one main point Jesus wants us to get from this passage, and here it is. We need to build our weak on the rock. We need to build our Sunday to Sunday, our entire lives, our weak on the rock. Simple, right? Pretty simple. Duh. Two men in the story. Two men building two different weeks on two different foundations, and yet only one of them remained. Why? Why did one of them crash and one remain? What was the difference? Well, if you go back in verse 24, you notice that one of the men heard Jesus' words, and he put them into practice. Verse 24. But if you look at verse 26, the other man heard the same words, exact same message, But what lacked, he did not put those words into practice. This isn't the only place we see this in the Bible. It's all over, particularly in the New Testament book of James. We see it pretty clear. Chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Don't merely listen to the word. Don't merely listen to what Jesus says. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So to build our week on the rock is first, if you heard it, we have to listen to know how we should be building our lives on the rock. We have to listen, absolutely. But man, the second part, which is so important, is we have to actually start that building project. We have to start building. To build our week on the rock is to build those patterns and those routines and those activities that actually please 
Jesus. It's to look at our weekends and our weeks and our Sunday to Sunday through the eyes of Jesus and ask, would Jesus be pleased with this? Would he give approval to the patterns and the routines and the activities of my week? Would he see me not just listening to how to build on the rock, not just intending to build on the rock, but actually building on the rock? What's your week built on? Is it the rock or is it the sand? Now, I I, I recognize that's a loaded question not one that's easily answered. If you give just a quick answer, probably you and I aren't answering it and giving it the quality, time, and depth of reflection that we need it to be. I get it, right? And it's probably not nice and clean cut either way. And here's what I mean by that. Probably at first glance, nobody in here has the entirety of their week built on the sand or the entirety of their week built on the rock. My guess is in a room this size, there's parts of your week that you would say, yeah, this is actually a really good thing that pleases Jesus. I'm doing something good and faithful. But then there's other parts of our weeks that maybe aren't so faithful. Maybe nobody sees it outwardly, but inwardly, the thoughts that we think, the things that we feel, the things that we do in private where we think nobody's seeing. Maybe there's parts of our lives that are there. And all of us in some ways are mixed bags, right? I get that. Fair point. We're in process. We're messy. And I get it. And yet... And yet the story, what does the story say? According to the story, Jesus says in the end, all of our lives, the entirety of that Sunday to Sunday, it's either going to remain or it's going to crash. In the end, there's not going to be parts of the week that are going to remain on the rock and parts of the week that are going to remain on the sand. It's all or none. So we've got to take that seriously. In the end, we're going to find that all of our lives, are they going to be on the rock? Are they going to crash? So how do we know? How do we know? If we're building on the rock or we're building on the sand. Gosh, we could spend an entire semester talking about that. I'm going to give this a few minutes, right? Two practical questions that are good starters. Not the only questions, right, but good questions to get things started. Here's the first one. How does your week impact you? How does your week impact you? See, whether you or I know it or not, those patterns and those routines and those activities that we're engaged in Sunday to Sunday, they are forming us and they are shaping us. They're shaping what we want most. They're shaping what we believe the good life to be. They are shaping what we believe to be more. So how would you say that your week is impacting you? You see, a week built on the rock is one that is slowly but surely over time, it's making us more like Jesus. And what I mean by that is it's it's growing and shaping our character to where we look more and more like Jesus. So we're becoming more patient and more kind and more loving and more merciful and less harsh, less lazy, less selfish. A week that's built on the rock is also one that makes us want the things that Jesus wants. So slowly but surely over time, our thoughts, desires, and behaviors, they're conforming more and more to what Jesus wants. We want to serve others more and serve ourselves less. Why? Well, because Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. We want to sin less and less and love Jesus more and more. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We will always be sinners. We will never move on from sinning. It's who we are. It's what we do. Yet our disposition changes. Right? We don't want to want to sin. Right? 
we shouldn't want to sin. As we grow in the Christian life, more and more the cry of our hearts, the cry of our minds, of our entire being is, Jesus, I want you, or Jesus, I want to want you. I don't want to sin. I don't want to be selfish, but this is what I want. Is that, is that what's happening more and more inside of you? On the whole, is, is your Sunday to Sunday moving you to that end, or is it moving you somewhere else? Is it moving you somewhere where those patterns and routines and activities fit more with what you want? What feels good to you that conforms to the plan that you have for your life? Leaves you hardened and calloused and bitter and resentful and angry and envious. Is that you? Is that, is that who you find yourself becoming? Do you really want that? I mean, because that's sand. That's what Jesus tells us is sand. According to Jesus, there's another option out there. So how is your week impacting you? Second question, second test to help us determine if we're building our lives on the rock or on the sand. How does your week impact other people? How does your week impact other people? How do those activities and routines and patterns impact other people? Do other people benefit from what you do? Are their lives made better? Are they experiencing more joy and freedom and love by being with you and around you? Or are people left more insecure, more ashamed, more angry, more confused, more exploited, more exploited, more burdened from being with you? I'm talking about not just face-to-face interactions, but also online interactions. Because there's a person on the other side of that screen. Our face-to-face interactions, they have an effect on people for sure, but let's not be naive to think that our online interactions have any less effect. Those words and those comments that we write online, they affect people just as much, if not more, than our face-to-face interactions do. So what, is, what do those interactions say about you? How about, just for a second, stay with me, don't, don't lose me, how about the images that we're consuming online? How are those images affecting us? One of the ways we all know, right, the effect that pornography has on people. Do you know that that those are real people somewhere in the world at some point in time, oftentimes forced to do what they're doing all so we can find some sort of fleeting moment of sexual pleasure? I'm not necessarily trying to guilt trip us or scare us, but I want us to understand the implication of what Our lives, those patterns and activities and routines, what effect they are having not only on us, but on other people. Another question, do do you even see, do we even see other people on the weekends most of the time? Or are we in our rooms, our apartments, just tuning out, ordering takeout, watching shows, gaming, or in the library all weekend, cramming, studying from sunup to sundown? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I don't want you to leave feeling guilty for watching Netflix. I watch Netflix. There's some good stuff out there. I don't want you to feel guilty from ordering takeout or pizza or playing FIFA or or whatever, pulling an all-nighter. That's not the point. we got to do those things. But here's the question. Is that the norm? Is that the exception? Are you moving towards that being the norm or towards that being the accepting? Do those things define your weekend? Entertainment is not wrong. Studying and growing in knowledge is not wrong. They're all good gifts from God. But if they're the norm, then we might be building our lives on sand. So how is your week impacting you? How is your week impacting other people? I get those are are big questions. And they're ones that we got to wrestle with. And I'm I'm not asking these questions, again, to scare us into change, guilt trip us. 
I'm asking them because I don't want you and me to build our lives on the sand. Remember, these questions, they're going to help us blow away that spiritual fog that blinds us and confuses us and keeps us from building our lives on the rock. You see, Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the rock. He wants your and my life to be built on the rock. He's the one who's most satisfying. There's places we could go all over the Bible. Here's two of my favorite passages. Psalm 16, verse 11. This is speaking about Jesus. This is who Jesus really is. This is why it's worth it to build our lives on the rock. It says, you, Jesus, make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Not pleasures today, not pleasures tomorrow, not pleasures for a year, for 50 years, for 100 years. Eternal millions and millions and millions of years of pleasure in the presence of Jesus. A life spent following Jesus is where the good life is. Psalm 27, verse 4 and 5. King David is reflecting upon this, and he writes this. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. So King David, he wants one thing in his life. He wants to do one thing. What is that? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. He's not saying that we just need to separate and become monks in a cave. That's not the point. The point is that he knows that it is time well spent to follow Jesus. A life spent following Jesus provides safety from storms. Verse 5 says, the day of trouble. Unfortunately, storms are a fact of life. I don't have to convince a lot of us in here of that. We have and we're going to experience storms. Maybe you're in one right now. They are difficult. They're confusing. They're painful. Sometimes we see them coming. Sometimes they come out of nowhere and we're not ready for them. I'll never forget the weekend that my life crashed, kind of like this. It was the junior year of my college career. It was a Saturday night. I'm sitting by myself in my fraternity room with a large bullet from Trops, and I'm chugging it. I'm chugging it because I want to numb my pain. I was in pain because I was so confused. I was confused because I had everything that I thought I wanted. I thought I was on the rock. You see, in high school, I lived in two different worlds. There was high school Austin. High school Austin was the athletic dork. High school Austin was the guy that was never invited to parties. High school Austin was the guy who got made fun of all throughout school because he was too portly, too fat, couldn't do it. Then there was church Austin. Church Austin was the top of the social food chain, so to speak. I had some good friends there. People paid attention to me. It was fun. It was good. Somebody let me give a sermon as a junior in high school. I wouldn't have given that me my that chance, right? So I have two different worlds. When I get to college, I have a chance to break out of the shell of high school dork Austin. That's what I wanted so bad. And so that's what I started pursuing. My freshman year, started partying once a month. Turned into two weeks. End of sophomore, end of freshman year, sophomore year, started once a week. By the time I'm sitting in that room my junior year, four to five nights a week. The things that I wanted most, they didn't stay in my weekend. They spilled over into my life. I had everything I wanted. And I was depressed trying to numb the pain with alcohol. Why? Because everything I valued, everything I believed to be the good life, the things that I thought I wanted to be more, it crashed. It crashed. There might be some of you tonight, two weeks into the semester, you know this. 
you know this. Your life maybe has crashed. The first couple weeks, you've already made choices you regret. You have already done things. You've formed patterns and routines and activities that you see are sand. Already made poor choices. Already been disappointed by something or someone that you thought would satisfy you and lead you to the good life. Already having buyer's remorse. Already worried that your life is drifting in a direction that you have no control over. If that's you, I'm, I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad you're here tonight. And I want you to hear that I'm not surprised by that. And Jesus is not surprised by that. He knows that we naturally drift towards building our lives, not on the rock, but on the sand. He knows that we're messy and broken and that we need help building our lives on the rock. So how do we actually do it? How do we actually build our lives on the rock? Not just to hear about it, not just to intend to do it, but to actually do it. Four ways. Forgive me for how cheesy this is. I'm normally not a mnemonic device guy, but I thought of this and it's so filled with cheese and so stupid that you can remember it and you won't soon forget it. That's a sign of a good mnemonic device. It's so stupid, it's just there, never goes away. Four ways. Spells out rock. See? Told you, but you're never going to forget it. Number one. What do we do? First thing, we reflect. On the whole, just reflect. Where's your Sunday to Sunday built? Where is it headed? Is your life built on the sand or on the rock? Ask yourself those questions. Take some time, maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes before you start the day or at the end of the day. How is your week impacting you? How is your week impacting others? Oh, open your hands. If you can imagine that your life is, is just in the grip, you're building on this foundation, you can't let it go, ask God to help you open your hands. Let it go. Whatever those patterns, those activities, those routines that are built on the sand, open them and let them go. I know that's easier said than done, but ask God for grace. Ask God for the grace, the strength, and the courage, and the power to release your grip on it. That's how lasting change happens, by asking God for help. This is the first step in what the Bible calls repentance, right? You have to let go of one thing, turn away from something, and turn towards something else. So open your hands. C, create new plans. Start building on the rock. Don't listen to it. Don't just think about it. Don't intend to do it, but actually do it. So what new patterns, what new routines, what new activities do you need to actually start? Maybe the first step, this is crazy, maybe you've actually never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you thought you have before, but you're starting to realize, wow, I never really knew Jesus. Maybe the first step is you just admit that and you say, I want to believe in you, Jesus. Or maybe you've known Jesus for a while, but you have some things in your life. You know what they are right now. You've been intending to do a lot, but you just haven't taken that step and done it. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to create those new plans, but for whatever reason, you've got lots of reasons why those changes that you need to make won't work. I don't want to minimize those difficulties. I don't want to minimize those obstacles that are going to come about from creating new plans that can be difficult. But remember the, the difference between those two people, between those two men. Both heard the teaching, but only one person acted on it. And that's what made the difference. Again, but, but hear me say this real quick. We don't build in order to be loved by Jesus. I'll say that again. We don't build in order to be loved by Jesus. We build because we're already loved by Jesus. Remember, as, as Kyle mentioned last week, if we build in order to be loved by Jesus, that's religion. We're following religion. Jesus is not religion. We gotta switch it. 
we have to remember that because of God's love for us, that motivates us and moves us to create new plans on the rock. So take the next step in Veritas. Maybe come back to our large group meeting on Tuesday nights next week. If this is your first time, come back again. Maybe you commit to joining a small group. You've heard us hype it up. Maybe you're not buying it. Maybe you're a little cynical. Okay, fine, fair enough. Give it a shot. Four to six weeks. Maybe it means that you just take the plunge and go to far retreat. You've heard some great things. You've heard some not, not so great things. That's fine. Just go. Meet somebody. I guarantee you, if you feel like you're the only one who feels alone, you're not. Go to fall retreat. Talk with people who've gone before. How about actual habits throughout the week? Maybe you need to read more. Start reading your Bible. Maybe you need to take care of yourself. Eat healthier. Exercise. Start serving somewhere. Get outside of your own bubble. I don't know. So, R, reflect. O, open those hands. C, create new plans. Last one, a K. Keep at it. Keep at it. Building our lives, our Sunday to Sunday, it's a lifelong process. Building those lives on the rock, it's a two-step forward, one-step back kind of project. Personally, I think I need to hear this the most. Uh, we all do, but, but just because we're so fickle, right? We know this. Get pumped up. It's the start of a new semester. You got good intentions. It's awesome. Let's go. And then real life hits. Busyness sets in. Unexpected meetings and tasks and responsibilities and things you want to do and you're pulled this way. I want to go this way. Gosh, people are doing that. It's messy. There's an author named Katie Cole. She said it like this in a recent book she published on leadership. I love this phrase. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. I love that. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. What she means is that culture, those day in and day out realities of life that eats our strategy, our good intentions and plans for breakfast. Does that sound familiar? Have you recognized that pattern in your own life already? You come in with a strategy. You're like, all right, this is the semester. I'm going to take my faith more seriously. I'm going to go to Veritas. I'm going to meet a thousand people. It's going to be great. I'm going to commit to going to a small group, read my Bible, serve somewhere. And then you get eaten for breakfast. Right, those, those difficulties, those obstacles, those desires, the distractions, they prevent us from building on the rock. The first rounds of tests, the concerts, uh, John Mayer, thank you, the football games, right? You realize that there's more that, you can, uh, more that you can handle in your classes. You're trying to start up some relationship, and they want to hang out on the night that you got your small group, and what's more important? I don't know. Am I going to tell this girl or guy that I like him? I won't do that. I don't know, right? These are the culture, which is not always bad. But so often culture eats a strategy for breakfast. Whatever those things are, they get in the way. So building our Sunday to Sunday on the rock, it's hard. It's difficult, which is why we need the K. Why we need to keep at it. Expect hardships. Don't be surprised by those distractions. Keep at it. Could you imagine what would happen in your life if you just did this this week? Could you imagine what would happen in the lives of the people around you, in your fraternity, your sorority, in your dorm, in your job, uh, wherever, on campus? What would happen in their lives this week if we actually did that? What would those people who looked at the credit card statement known as our lives, what would they be able to see about what we value most, what we believe the good life to be, what we think is more? I have no idea. I have no idea, but what I do know is God is in the business of taking small, seemingly insignificant acts and doing amazing things with it for his glory and for our good. As the music team comes up, I want you to check out a, a, a picture up behind me. It's a house from Hurricane Ike. and I hope we don't see more pics like this this week as the 
hurricanes getting, has already hit the Bahamas and getting ready to hit the East Coast. But this happened back in 2008, if you can see it up there. 2008, Hurricane Ike hit the coast of Galveston, Texas. It was a Category 4 hurricane, 143 miles an hour winds, pure devastation. Everything was wiped out except for that house. Why? Well, a few a couple years earlier, there was a smaller storm. And this house was wiped out, got damaged. So what they did, they brought people in and they rebuilt it to hurricane standards. They rebuilt it to hurricane standards. They built their house on the rock and you saw what happened. This is what I want for you and me. This is what I want for you and me. I want us to build our weeks, our Sunday to Sunday, the entirety of our lives, more and more. Build it on the rock. I want us to build those patterns, those activities, those routines on a foundation that really matters. You see, a life built on Jesus, it's not boring. It's not a waste of your time. If you hang in there, if you stick with it, I promise you will not miss out. Eternal pleasures, everlasting joy, shelter in the storms. How could we be missing out? How could we not want that? No, a life built on the rock is a life that's going to have meaning and satisfaction. It's going to be able to endure any storm that comes our way because it's built on Jesus. So reflect, open your hands, create new plans, and with God's help, keep at it. Let's build our lives on the rock. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.